So just before we get started, uh, thank you so much for the listens and the downloads and to each one of you who have shared it with others or joined our community online at theleadershippodcast.uk and also on our Facebook group. We've been so excited to see that the context we put out just as we start this journey has been helpful to you. It's generated some thoughts and questions. We count it as an absolute privilege that you'd spend your time listening to us. So thank you so much. Now, I'd like to introduce to you Ed Perry. Ed is the magic behind the scenes. He's the producer of this podcast and also runs a business helping charities fulfill their mission in the digital world. His background is Alpha International, where he was a director of product leading teams and projects. And more recently, he's been working with Waverley Abney, uh, Your Neighbour and Right Now Media, serving churches across the UK. So thank you for helping on this podcast and welcome to you, Ed. Thanks very much, Sim. And I want to add my thanks to yours too. We really just want this to be a helpful resource for leaders in the UK. And I've been so encouraged at the response to the first episode in terms of listens and downloads and also questions. We do want this to be a community and a resource that's practical and helpful to you, the listeners. So please keep sending us your comments and your questions and we'll do our best to get through them. The format of this series is that We'll have a long form interview every two episodes, like the one with Dave Smith last week. And then in between, we'll have these leadership lessons where Sim and I will discuss what we've heard and try and raise some of your questions. So in this episode, we'll look back on the conversation that Sim had with Dave Smith last week about how being intentional with his well-being has become central to how he leads. So welcome along to our first ever leadership lessons episode. But I think this issue of, of our health and the impact on others is huge. I, I really do believe that my best gift to the Lord, to myself, to my wife and to the church is a, is a healthy, wholesome me. If I'm becoming more like Jesus, if I'm staying on fire for him, there's almost like there's just an ease in ministry, even through tough times. If I'm allowing my tanks or my dials to get low, everything else just becomes so much harder. So, so I think if I was to share anything to leaders listening, it was, you know, what does Paul say to Timothy? I think it's in 1 Timothy 4.16, you know, attend or watch your life and your doctrine closely. Watch your life. And, you know, we could obviously think, well, watch you don't sin. Well, that ought to be pretty obvious if you're in Christian leadership. But I think it's more than that. Attend to your soul. Attend to your well-being. You know, make sure you're living in the good of walking with the God of Psalm 23. He's a good God. He loves you. He's for you. He wants to <clears throat> lead you uh, beside still waters and into green pastures. He wants to restore your soul. So I think almost just not feeling guilty about attending to your own replenishment. Sim, I think that was such an important takeaway from this episode, that we have to make time to replenish ourselves and that it's our best gift to the Lord and to those around us that we're healthy. We got quite a few questions in about the dashboard Dave talked about, and especially one from Matt, who asked, how do you find good ways to assess the different aspects of well-being you talked about? Sim, do you have a personal way of keeping tabs on the different aspects of your well-being? What would you recommend? 
I think these six styles that Dave talks about is an excellent example of how we manage our well-being. And I'd encourage you to either look up the well-being journey course online. Uh, we did just recently, literally last Sunday, we finished uh, running eight weeks of God's plan for your well-being and using the 50-day uh, book that Dave has written. I found it really helpful, even simple things like the importance of sleep. As a leader, I think we can get stressed. We can worry about things and uh, we forget something which seems so obvious as are we sleeping well? And, and I, I remember years ago, uh, someone said to me, people would be so much more spiritual if only they slept more and they slept better. And I think that's true for many of us. And so when it comes to my own personal health, the routine of sleep is really important. Um, and, and exercise as well. I think those practical physical things make such a difference to your uh, personal well-being. And I know that many people here in the church, at Freedom Church where I lead, have found that to be useful. I've been running a small group, a connect group the last few weeks, running through the well-being course. And probably the two areas that we found the most helpful, and there's a group of guys, uh, six of us meeting together, was the area around sleep and also the area around finances and how we manage our money and that money can make such a difference to our well-being. If we're stressed about our finances, it can impact our spirituality as well as our relationships, as well as our sleep and so forth. Mm, that's really interesting how like those whole different areas have such a big impact on, on us, um, on our well-being. I, I read a bit, a really challenging book. Uh, you've probably come across it. Uh, John Mark Comer's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I read that earlier this year. And I was very challenged by, by, by it. It makes you really rethink what we're reliant on in this world and how so often that race for news or productivity or, like you say, finances or effectiveness has left us unable to connect healthily with those around us and un un unable to find the space to connect with God as well. Another On that point, another great question came in from my vicar, Adam, so I definitely have to mention him. <laughs> Apart from... Uh, he says this, apart from reading the Bible and praying, excellent as they are, what is the one thing that each of you has done that has had the most positive impact on your well-being? Yeah, I think this is a really great question. You know, we can talk about these things all we like, but where does it really land? And I remember for me personally, uh, when I was at the beginning of lockdown, it felt, if you remember that time back in uh, 2020, and it felt like a long, slow day, a snow day. Like we were just kind of, you know, the world stopped and we all got stuck indoors. We weren't too sure what to do. And I remember just kind of, it all kind of unraveled a bit for me. You know, I wasn't really, um, you know, I wasn't really getting dressed properly in the morning. I was just sort of mooching my way through the day. Um, things were kind of getting a little bit kind of chaotic. And I was just reacting to things. You know, I was reacting to the needs of the church, the needs of my family, uh, my personal needs. And it, nothing was really kind of very healthy. And I remember I came to a moment, probably two or three weeks in, when I had to, I go, I've got to change my routine here. I've got to get a healthy routine um, because nothing was forcing my routine. All my my diary was empty. Every page was now blank, and and you know I wasn't sure what was going on there. So I just had had to reorganise my day, reorganise my calendar. And so I started, even though we we're on on lockdown, I started to get up earlier. And I set myself a time to get up to read the word of God, yes, to pray and to prepare myself for the day, to exercise regularly, um, to have routines in my day, to actually, and even, you know, putting in my lunch break and putting things into my day because I'd realized I was just reacting and I wasn't being living very healthily. And so I just started putting some intentional uh, routine back into my day. 
what about you did you change anything or, or is that or you know the idea of well-being has that affected you in any way yeah absolutely I, you know I, I think uh, a number of us went through what you just described last year of that kind of lethargy maybe and you know not having the impetus I'm also a morning person I I'm get up at six o'clock every morning I, I realized that I am in my house I am the morning person so that means that if I get up an hour earlier than everyone else that that is time for me through the day so typically I will I start with a little podcast I love the everyday with Jesus podcast it's just four minutes long and it's just a really nice little connection um, to start the day with with some scripture and then um, I'll plan out my day I've got a daily planner which helps me prioritize the things that I've got to do and that means that once that's done you know come seven o'clock when we're into breakfast and school runs and all that kind of thing it means I'm ready to start the day whenever I hit my desk after all that's done so by nine o'clock I'm not planning my day anymore I'm actually getting on and doing it and using my energy well at that point and and the other thing that's really impacted me over many years now is um is running i love running um it has um i think it's made me into a better person and a better husband and a better you know it gives me more energy weirdly you know people say well aren't you so tired by the afternoon and in fact i find on the afternoons where i have run i've i've been able to 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 have more energy but also it's given me the space a bit of my own time and the space to sort of subconsciously process maybe the stuff that i didn't even realize was um, playing on my mind so yeah those those two things have been really important to me um I'm interested to know this is a question that came from Judith Sim as a church leader we've all heard of this idea of having a sabbath and that that's you know God's design for that in our lives but how do you personally find the time to retreat and replenish yourself I'm, I'm sure there are just there's just a whirlwind of pulls of your time and, and attention um Dave mentioned about feeling guilty about that sometimes. Um, do you, have you ever experienced that sort of feeling guilty about taking yourself away to to retreat and replenish? Absolutely. I'm, I'm a doer. I'm a fixer. I want to sort things. Um, the beautiful thing about the Sabbath is it reminds you that you're not in control. And as somebody who wants to be in control, wants to kind of make things work, it's it's the hardest thing and the most important thing. It's God's church that I lead. It's not mine. It's, uh, you know, I have a family that's, you know, wonderful family, but they are, they are his and I have responsibility, but you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not sort of having to sort everything out myself. I'm not alone. And the Sabbath reminds us that God is our source. And I, I don't do things to the same level as John Mark Comer. His Sabbath is something legendary and it's worth looking into some of his stuff. If you've never read Ruth's Elimination of Hurry, which you mentioned earlier, it's a great book. And he's got some great tips around Sabbath. But for me personally, um, in our house, Saturday is the Sabbath. I don't do church work on Saturdays. When I first joined the church I'm part of here, Freedom Church, there was a men's breakfast every Saturday morning. And, um, oh, sorry, monthly on a Saturday morning. And I, and I said, I'm, I won't be going to that. And I remember the guy who led it said, why not? I said, because my family come first on Saturday. And they said, but, you know, your family, you know, they'll be around all the time. I said, they, they won't be. That, you know, I had small children at the time and now, you know, my kids are growing up and I'm so glad I spent those Saturdays watching one of my sons play football and hanging out with my other kids, enjoying just being with them, having breakfast together. Just we make that a big thing in our house. You know, Saturday morning breakfast is important to me. And so we do Sabbath just by doing something really different and the rhythm changes and we find different things to do. It's, and it's so important that whatever you do, you find ways of retreating. And yes, the guilt is natural. 
I also try and uh, get away at least once a year. I've got a team of people that try and persuade me and force me. And I've got some really good friends I'll go and see, just spend even two, three days with and just asking good questions and having someone outside of my own context to engage with. I found that really helpful. And, um, you know, I, I wonder whether, Ed, for you, you know, whether that's something, have you ever tried to, to kind of get away? Do you ever try and get away from things or are you just always just go, go, go? Mm, yeah, I'm definitely a very sort of driven personality. So it is it is something atten- intentional that I have to make time for. Um, an interesting one to mention, though, is a couple of years back, um, my wife and I realized that actually it would be quite healthy for us to spend some time alone. Now, it, it wasn't a crisis or anything like that, but we just in, interestingly have, had that, both came to that conclusion that it's actually okay if you know, we want to take a weekend away and go and do something without the other person. Um, and so, you know, I've done, I, yeah, I, I mentioned running, I've done, you know, three days running down the Southwest Coast path, just of my own time. Um, the other thing I really love to do is paddle boarding, which is something I just picked up in the last couple of years. And it, um, I really love it because you can't take your phone because it gets wet and you can't go fast. I mean, literally I could walk faster than I can paddleboard. So I spend a lot of the rest of my time um, trying to go as fast as I can, you know, chasing PBs in the running, getting a lot of work done, you know, driving, that kind of thing. Paddleboarding is forced slowness and I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, We've got another question in from Ben Britton, who picked up on what Dave said about after four years, they had 25 people, um, but that was the platform that they needed for growth. And his question is that if the numbers aren't so positive, what are you looking for so that you're being faithful and not just stubborn when it comes to those expectations? This is such a great question. Um, thanks, Ben, for that question. You know, I, I think when Dave's speaking, and if you know Dave Smith and the work of Kingsgate, and I know some have said this to me in reflection on the podcast, you know, it's great having this leader who leads such a big church, um, but does it really connect with us? I think it's where it's so helpful what Dave was telling us, the story of, of, of Kingsgate over 30 years start, started with a small handful of people. And, and, you know, you were absolutely right. When are you just being stubborn and going, well, we're going to carry on regardless, even though we might be facing decline or a small number of people. I think you've got to look at your context and where you're serving. You know, if you're in the ma- middle of a, a massive city, it's very different. If you're in the middle of, you know, a very tiny village in, you know, the you know, middle of nowhere. So those, those, the context do matter. But I, I would always be looking for culture rather than about numbers. You know, what are you building? Sometimes you're building things under the surface. Sometimes they're not seen. Sometimes you have this experience where it looks like nothing's growing on the surface, but actually everything's happening underneath. And sometimes God is doing more things behind your back than he is doing in front of your face. And so you may not be seeing the growth you're hoping for, but if you just look at the people you're gathering and the quality of the people and the culture that's being built, then you know whether this is worth investing in. And I think if you're spending all your time, um, you know, running around trying to sort of care for people, but not actually build or grow anything, then I I would question that sort of situation. Because sometimes as church leaders, we end up uh, managing people's needs rather than helping people grow to where God wants them to be. And there was a, a great document by Timothy Keller a number of years ago between the difference between church size dynamics and their expectations on a leader. And it's phenomenal what people expect from a leader when you're in a small church as compared to when you're in a larger church. 
And so there's some things there that may be helpful, but I would just say, I also think it's a spiritual thing. You know, we've got to be asking the question, God, what is it you want me to do? And, and, you know, how many times, you know, the story of Moses, God said to Moses, what's in your hand, use what's in your hand. And I think for us as leaders going, what have we been given? What is it in front of us? And then is this the right thing to be driving with and pushing forward? In? And that's only a question only God can answer. And you need to you know, engage with him and say, God, would you lead me in this? It isn't just a management question. It isn't just a kind of, you know, tests and numbers and spreadsheets and, you know, metrics. This is about what God says, his church. And, and if this is the right place for you, hopefully God will speak to you and you will know uh, where he's taking you to. And so I, I think any any church, whatever size you are, is an opportunity of growth. It really is. And I think we're really careful with numbers. Numbers are important, uh, but, you know, people counts. We should count numbers, uh, but it isn't everything. Uh, I would be looking for the culture. What are we building? Uh, where are we going? And are we, are we, have we got the potential for growth? Are, are we seeing what's under the surface? What's the spirit of God leading us into? That would be where I'm coming from, I guess. Mm, that's so interesting. I mean, I... Yeah. I can't imagine how many times as a church leader you get asked how big your church is or how many people go to it and um, you know, the temptation to inflate the numbers or, you know, do we, if you've got two services and half the people come to both, does that count as, you know, do, do we count them twice or once and all that kind Absolutely. of thing? So, um, <laughs> but one thing that came to mind for me in response to this question is um, actually a running analogy. You're probably getting the idea now, the understanding now, there'll be quite a few of those. Um, but one of the things... I hear in running um, is this idea of trust in the process. So, you know, many people run because they want to hit a certain time or they, you know, they want to do a sub four hour marathon or three hour marathon, whatever it is. Um, but often being so focused on the outcome means that you end up getting injured or you get so fixated on the time and the numbers that you don't, you forget to actually enjoy the work and, and the training for it. So you can then be disillusioned when things don't go well and that leads to you giving up. And, and I think there's really something in that when we got, get too focused on the outcome and we forget what God has put us here for, um, which you know, as a church leader to pastor and care for the community, um, we can get disillusioned by, by that. Um, so trust the process, enjoy the day to day and don't get too caught up in those, those outcomes or what the world might expect success to look like. That's a really helpful analogy, trusting the process, Ed, I like that. As most church pastors will know, uh, post-Sunday, you always do this you know, uh, analysis of your well-being as a leader. And basically, if there are more people there on a Sunday, you're in a really good place. And if there are less people, you're not doing so well. And you're, you can literally go up and down in your estimation uh, by the, the numbers that turn up. And, uh, and it's been worse in some ways with online church, because now you can count how many views you get on your YouTube channel. And so you can decide that your preach this week wasn't as good as last week's because the numbers of people watching, you've got to be careful for that because obviously church, as you say, is so much more than that. And I've often taken time out to phone people, have conversation. It's made such a difference to speak to people rather than just look at the numbers, which often aren't particularly helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much more we could talk about. Um, thank you so much just for having that brief conversation with me. And thank you to those who are listening at home for being part of the leadership podcast if we haven't answered your question don't worry we have got them all noted down and we'll hopefully be covering them in one of these leadership lessons in the next few weeks 
And a quick reminder, you can sign up for the Leaders Hub online where you'll get free resources and bonus content. You can join our Facebook group to connect with other leaders and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much, my family, who've helped with editing the podcast and doing all the social media and stuff like that. But most of all, thank you so much to you for listening today.